0: Everything we say after this point is live. is on the track. So th- does that mean
1: that Does that mean that if I fart, that it's live?
0: Yep, we'll hear that fart. Fuck!
1: I can't fart now. I have to hold it in. I have to hold it in now until the end of the podcast.
0: Ah, damn! Ah. Damn! If only there was an option to just like mute your audio and just Mm. let 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 one rip real quick. (laughs) Ooh, there it goes.
1: (laughs) Oh. Okay. No, we're we're good now. Smells in here. Reeks. (laughs)
0: Almost like someone just farted.
1: Who would have guessed?
0: Shall we jump into this? Yeah, sure. Or do we need some B-roll banter after the slate? Like, what, what do we want? What do we? What are we feeling?
1: I don't know, I kind of almost thought that uh, me, me talking about the, the farting became the, the B-roll banter. The the B-roll banter? I mean, like, I don't know, we can make up some more. We, is can, that, we
0: can. Is that what you want? Is that we, what you want to be known for?
1: We we can make this the shortest uh, B-roll ever, uh, all <laughs> hi, about my Hi, I'm farts. Johnny Bartlett. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm David Baxter. Uh, we, we are yeah. the hosts of the Bundle Bourgeoisie podcast. We talk about the games from the Humble Choice uh, bundle, maybe.
0: Uh, this month we have January's games. Yeah. Or at least half of them for this first episode. If this is your first episode you're tuning into, what we do is we cover half of them this week and then half of them next week.
1: Yeah, it's too much to cover them all in one uh one week. We found that out very quickly.
0: No one wants to listen to a four and a half hour long podcast.
1: <laughs> Yo, we would ramble <laughs> and we would go, but we figured it out now.
0: But this week we have...
1: We have PC Building Simulator to start us off.
0: Ancestors, The Humankind Odyssey,
1: Vampire the Masquerade, Shadows of New York,
0: Song of Horror,
1: Menoria,
0: and D-Leveled.
1: Wow.
0: it's a good lineup. Wow. oh Wow. Wow. Well, would you like to start us off?
1: Uh, you know I would. PC Building Simulator was a fantastic game developed by... Kladu uh, Kiss and the Irregular Corporation, uh, also published by the Irregular Corporation, uh, who have also get done games like Good Company, Murder by Numbers, and Mars Horizon. Uh, I've not seen any other games that uh, Cladio has done. Uh, it's a very fully featured workshop for building virtual PCs. Uh, it has tutorials on how to build your own PC, a campaign where you run a repair shop, and a free mode where you can custom build your own PCs with current hardware. Uh, it's not perfectly realistic. There are some aspects of it that are simplified for time, such as like cable management. It's largely automatic. Uh, tasks like screwing and unscrewing can be sped up or completely ignored at a certain point. Uh, and all items not in use are just like you know kept in hammer space. They're not like you know around. You have to actually worry about them storing. Uh, and also turning on and off computers, installing programs, lots of stuff like that. It's, just, it's kind of sped up for time's sake to make it more uh, fun and engaging. But um, yeah, so I think just to start out with the game, I'm going to talk about the campaign because like, yo, there's an actual game here. I, that was something that surprised me. I didn't actually think that there would be when I when I just saw the title uh, at first glance. I was like, oh, it's a game where you build computers, right? Well, yes and no. You can build computers, but also the whole game part of this has you uh, working at your Uncle Tim's neglected PC repair shop, and he has, like, a one-star rating on Bongle, and you have to try to restore it to five stars. And that's the main loop of the game, is people come to you with requests, and you you help them with the request, and you try to get that five-star rating. You start with really... Yeah, yeah. You start with really easy repairs, and they get uh, progressively more and more complicated until you have to diagnose like what went wrong based on the customer's email, satisfying customer requests like for specific color cables inside their uh, hardware, uh, even meeting requests for higher benchmarking scores or building new PCs from scratch. Customers ask questions like, I want to play um, Hearthstone Heroes of Warcraft can you make me a computer or upgrade my current rig so I can finally play this game that I've been meaning to play? Uh, Or or League of Legends, for example. That's another one that's on there. Which (laughs) It's so funny. The specs for League of Legends are so much higher than they are in real life, I'm pretty sure.
0: I was going to say, the fact that you need specs for Hearthstone, that thing can run on like... Yeah, six-year-old Android tablet.
1: It'll run on toasters, baby, but apparently you gotta get, like, a new 1060 in order to run it in this game. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah. Um, Also, something to note is that this game does start out uh, January 1st, 2018, so you are working generally on two-year-old PCs for the majority of the time in the story mode because you progress every single day, like, day by day on, like, a realistic uh, time scale schedule. Hmm. Also, every game that they mention on that list is, like, a real game. I, I mean, I've probably already mentioned it at this point, but with, you know, League of Legends and Hearthstone, but I, there are games that, like, you wouldn't really recognize immediately, like Dead Stick Bush Fight Simulator, Bush Flight Simulator, which is, like, this old-school flight sim about, like, being a, a, a brush pilot, Uh, oh, and no it's fly. not even been released yet. It's supposed to release later this year, and I guess that, like, this game, in some ways, is like partially marketing for some of those games, I bet.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah, there are other like parody games in there, but they're all easily recognizable. You know, you kind of figure out what they are pretty quickly. It makes you really feel confident throughout the course of the story mode with the inner workings of PCs and just through the act of repetition. Uh, It really puts you into all of the different types of situations that you might end up facing in real life, and it makes you feel like. You, you would be competent, even in these real-life situations, letting you fix it yourself. Uh, and, and, like, I don't know. I, I, I really enjoyed that aspect that, like, everything that I was learning felt like it was applicable to the real world. Um, I, The only thing that really isn't, like, here uh isn't like here is stuff like cable management that I... Like, I wish that I there, were, there was a little bit more in-depth uh, stuff about that. Because it's one of the most tedious and difficult processes mm-hmm. when building a computer that it just auto does it like immediately uh it sort of like it makes me feel like a certain element of the process is missing but perhaps that is just uh for the better that's for um, cable
0: management simulator not PC building simulator
1: yeah different game different game <laughs> uh so it's got a free mode as well uh my friend actually built their own PC within like 5 to 10 minutes in free mode it was pretty easy uh so you can actually totally build theoretical PCs that you want to build in this game. Uh, And it seems to be getting regular updates when new hardware is released to the market so that you can generally keep it updated. Uh, I will say that the free mode is really daunting if you don't know what you're doing going in. There are no listings based on performance on the sort of buy websites, so you have to use either the in-game, like, uh rankings chart for like the gpu and cpu or you're out of luck uh and you just don't know what really is the best other than just scrolling through each individual run one and comparing the stats and that just takes forever it's not necessarily fun in my opinion but some people might really enjoy that uh i ended up using parts someone posted online to build my like mega supercomputer to get my, like, Will It Run Crisis achievement. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the achievement? Yeah, yeah, Will It Run Crisis, though. That's (laughs) good. Which, yeah, very good. There is DLC for this game that I don't really know that you need to get. Uh, For the most part, it's just, like, other labs that you can build PCs in and uh, some, like, different cases, so largely aesthetic uh, upgrades. The only one that adds, like, a significant amount of gameplay from what I can tell, is the eSports DLC, which is a really cool idea. Instead mm-hmm. of having like a PC repair shop, the idea is, is that you are the person repairing all of the PCs for an eSports team. And it's okay. your goal to upgrade their parts and keep their parts uh, up to spec whenever they ha- run into issues during a like long tour, essentially.
0: Why have I never thought that that's a thing that they probably have?
1: Yeah, I know, right? But that's totally a thing that they have. That's totally somebody's job to like, yeah, you know, worry about the PCs for these teams and have to order new parts and manage them and like, like literally a manager like just for the equipment that these people are working with. Yeah, uh, and the backstage aspect of it. So to 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 sort of illuminate that aspect of the the esports experience, I feel like it might be very fun and and very illuminating. But from what I understand, uh. Some people don't really love it. It's got mixed reviews on Steam, so some people like it, some people don't. It's kind of an extension of the main single player, so if you play the the single player to death and you want more, there's more available. I just thought it was worth mentioning because I, I liked the idea and the concept of it a lot. Um, But yeah, this game in general, I liked the idea and the concept of so much that I'm actually getting into probably PC Repair IRL, Maybe. I'm looking into maybe applying for positions locally and just trying to fix up and sell used computers, maybe on the side too. Uh, it's a good I just business. yeah, it is. And I mean, like I'm a sucker for shop sim games, and this is a very good one. And the subject matter makes me feel like I'm learning a real life skill, even though it is very repetitive. And I'm sure that Johnny, while he was watching me, said like, you know, I wouldn't enjoy this game. Going to be on, going to be frank, <laughs> not not my type of game. I, I I'm just doing work. I'm looking like I'm doing work while I'm watching you.
0: <laughs> I've built PCs for, like, four years. Like,
1: <laughs> It's very fair, and I haven't. i left really... that life behind me. <laughs> I built my own PC, and that's about it. Like, I have about that much experience, and every time I have to build a new PC, it's terrifying to me. And this game made it no longer terrifying. It made it something that it is approachable and something that I even am excited about and want to do more. And every time I see the game in my Steam uh, list, I'm like, I, I kind of want to dive back in a little bit. It has that li- little itch that, that makes me want to go back. So uh, so what yeah. you're
0: saying is we can use video games to educate people in trade. I abolished the idea of trade school altogether.
1: Oh my god, what an idea. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> of course there are some things that you're not going to be able to learn from the video game. <laughs> Underwater like, m-
0: uh, welding mechanics simulator. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, I, but if you wanted to learn, that would be a great way to learn without having to get all the equipment and, 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 uh, and you know, all the investments in order to to do underwater basket weaving. I mean, the scuba gear is a lot. <laughs> it's expensive, and certifications take quite a while, too. So, you know, virtually, yeah. <laughs> it's all you need. <laughs> but only if there's
0: a larger shop mechanic within.
1: <laughs> yeah, only if there is a larger shop mechanic within so i i say that uh this game is great i don't think that you need the dlc just the base game is uh is pretty damn good and uh yeah i, I enjoyed uh monkeying around in this game a whole lot
0: hey speaking of monkeys ancestor the humankind odyssey is our next game a game all about monkeying around what a fucking segue god damn This is a game done by Panachy Digital Games. This is their only game. Mm.
1: Mm, Uh, Really,
0: Ancestor? That can't be. That
1: can't be the case.
0: This is their only one.
1: The the developers must have worked on other things then.
0: Uh, Because
1: this uh, is such like a, a, a this seems like a double A title, you know. Like
0: I don't think so. I think they were like. Uh, this is a very high budget I, game. It seems. Like a subsidiary of Ubisoft or something for a moment. I don't remember. There was a lot going on uh. with this game's development, but yeah, their only project, their only project is Ancestors.
1: Wow, that just fascinates me because it seems like such a high budget game. Like it looks like very high production value.
0: Yeah, very beautiful. Oh no, game. they're completely independent too.
1: Really? Yep. They are. They are. They think they remind me of Ninja Theory.
0: They. They. <laughs> They describe their top quality games as triple-I.
1: Triple-I? <laughs> Not triple-A? Like,
0: I'm, I'm assuming it's triple-A, but because they're an indie group, like triple-I. It's it's a triple-A oh. experience from indies.
1: Okay, well, that, that yeah, I usually just say double-A. Like, yeah, like I mean, battery. that's what,
0: I think colloquially what the world refers to it as, but... <laughs>
1: Hi, Editor David here. Just thought I would mention that actually the two co-founders of this company are pretty big names in the uh, Quebec-French game industry scene. And uh, in fact, uh, the co-founder and creative director, uh, Patrice, actually was the creative director on uh, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, as well as the original Assassin's Creed. So I just thought that was worth mentioning.
0: And this is a... (laughs) See, see, this is where... This is a third-person survival game. (laughs)
1: Uh, oh and now (laughs) which i laugh about
0: because of our conversation
1: yeah we're gonna talk about a different type of survival game later (laughs)
0: um and this is kind of it's kind of like spore It, it doesn't start out as uh feeding frenzy fish game as spore it starts out right in like the good part of spore that everyone liked and wanted the entire game to be about that's where this game starts and it's basically better spore the the intent is you're exploring the old the world as monkey people and and you have to find your resources you need to survive it's all about like finding shelter food water and learning about the world At david's got this giant grin on his face
1: monkey the monkey game monkey. it's a game where you play as monkeys it's a
0: monkey game it's it adorable it's so much uh and you explore the world around and and you try to evolve like you try to survive that's what this game is about is is going from monkey people to human people and it's fantastic i i love this game uh, one of the things that i absolutely loved about this game is the way they create like the ludo narrative plays such an important role in this, this game because you, you as smart human man who's already evolved from dumb monkey person, know everything about the world. You know food, you know berry, you know water, you know <laughs> stick and rock, equal weapon. Uh, you, We already know that. We're smart human people. But what you don't know are the mechanics and controls and gameplay of this game. <laughs> and so... And so the game forces you to learn to to essentially evolve with the character. You have huh. to you have to discover how to sharpen a stick with your controller. It it's not something that you inherently know, it's not something that the game tells you. So as your monkey is discovering this in in the idea of discovering a ship or uh, uh, discovering sharpening a spear, you, as a player, are also learning and discovering the idea of sharpening a spear. Because you don't realize you have to hold stick in one hand, rock in another, hold a button to hold stick down, and smash rock- stick with rock. Like. <laughs>
1: I I love this whole process and like just discovering it give you that primal sort of like. (laughs) It does, it does, like. I
0: I was playing the game and as soon as I learned the evolutionary trait to swap hands, I didn't think it was gonna do anything. I was like, cool, I can move a stick from one hand to another, and then I walked around and picked up a rock, and I I realized, oh, I can hold my stick with the rock and it does something, and so (laughs) like I picked up two rocks. And I, I held a rock and smashed the rock against the rock, and the rock broke. And I was like, oh, <gasps> shit, I can break rocks with a rock. And then, like, I was like, wait, hold on. If I can interact with a rock like this, what does interacting with a stick like this do? And I grabbed a stick, and I was like, smash, and it started sharpening it. And I was like, oh, fuck, oh, shit, I can sharpen the stick. And I was like, smash, 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 it made a spear.
1: <laughs> that, like, natural process of discovery sounds like so much fun, actually. I love that.
0: Yeah. It really was, and it's like my favorite feature about this game, because you as a player don't know anything. You don't know anything about this world, you don't know anything about the mechanics or the controls, and they force you to discover it. The first time you encounter a, a an enemy, you get a brief, like, this is how you dodge, but it doesn't really go into depth about it or anything. It doesn't go into the fact that, like, if you're holding a spear and you dodge towards them, you do a counterattack, so you'll stab them and dodge. So... And, and I messed up dodges a ton of times because I didn't realize uh, the, the exact mechanic of how dodges work. Uh, there, was, there was a process of learning how to breed, and, and that is you do it by grooming with the other person first. And it took me probably like 20 minutes of sitting there, watching and analyzing the cutscene and how it interacted while I, was bre- mm. while I was grooming to understand how grooming actually
1: worked. So it's a game as much about observation as it is about like implementation of ideas. Yeah, exactly. It's it's
0: really cool. the the Ludo narrative of this game is just it's fantastic. Uh, I I loved it very much, and and that's that's what it's all about. Like that is the the core of the game is just like. Wander around as monkey person and pick up object and look at object, learn object, understand what object does, take object back to your tribe, let tribe look at object, teach teach tribe that you learned object could be eaten. It's it's <laughs> super cool.
1: <laughs> Did you get uh, very far in the main story?
0: So, I, uh, <clears throat> this, the game is hard, the game is hard as fuck, because you're learning everything. Uh mm-hmm. subsequent playthroughs get easier because I've already I already know how to sharpen stick now. So so Monkey Man is a little smarter. It, it feels like I've evolved as a character and therefore the or as a player and therefore the gameplay has gotten easier. Um so I did not I did not make it to all the way up to like humankind evolution. I did evolve a couple of times. And and it's really cool the way evolution in this game works. So you have to complete feats. And as you complete feats, you gain basically experience to evolution to, to evolve. The feats include things like discovering the world, uh, learning how to, learning how to sharpen a stick, using obsidian as a tool, uh, lifting up rocks with a stick, things like that. So the feats are just kind of like natural things you discover as you play. And once you have enough experience, you can evolve. Evolving, uh, it basically destroys your current evolution path or, cause as there's there's a there's like two versions of evolving, and one is like evolving as a character and a tribe, and you like you you learn how to use both hands you learn that this thing is okay to eat that thing isn't um you you learn how to call your entire herd things like that uh like little evolutionary traits versus evolving as a species, and once you evolve as a species, you lose all of the traits that you've gotten but you you one there's there's mechanics to uh, retain certain traits. So you have, like, you can retain two traits if you evolve right now, and so you can evolve and keep the ability to juggle hands and dodge or whatever. Uh, but as you evolve, it's dope because it shows you the progress that you're making compared to real life, too. It, it like, if you discovered a how to use a stick 40,000 years before monkey people actually discovered how to use a stick, it tells you. It's like you're, you know, 1.5 thousand years ahead of time. Good job, uh,
1: kid. You're ahead yeah, of schedule.
0: it's super cool. It's like, yeah, I'm smarter than those dumb monkey people because I already knew how to use stick.
1: Stick makes sense to monkey brain. <laughs> easy, easy.
0: It it's cool. And then and then you get a prompt that's like, oh wait, you're fifty thousand years behind because you let eleven people die. Oh, yeah. Don't let your monkeys die. Apparently, that sets back evolution.
1: I mean that does make sense. It know.
0: does. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dead <laughs> rip monkeys.
0: Dead tribe can't evolve. Who would have thunk? Uh, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's very challenging. It's difficult. Uh, it feels like what I wanted niche to be as I was playing niche. Uh, and while that game is more of, I think, more of a tool for learning about the basics of evolution, this game took the concepts of evolution and and turn them into a full-fledged game, which I think is phenomenal and done very, very well.
1: Yeah, sounds like the idea of evolution is like a mechanic implemented through the idea of, like, evolving your mind.
0: Exactly, yeah. I, I highly recommend this game. It's absolutely fantastic. It's a really, really chill experience that'll teach you a lot about evolution. I can't speak to the accuracy of it. It seemed accurate. I'm not a historian, though. Uh, but We're theater it, majors, it, it, man exactly but it at least teaches you to sort of like empathize with the struggle of evolution and realize that like discovering how to use a rock on stick was really fucking hard i could barely learn how to do it on a controller
1: (laughs) what you think you can learn rock and stick dude (laughs) you try it it's hard
0: exactly (laughs) so yeah very good game definitely worth playing uh, and, you know, it it's great to see the weird kinds of things that, that monkey people can evolve into, you know?
1: Yeah, the kind of crazy, crazy things that, that we all evolve into in the night. Uh, Like perhaps in our next game, Vampire the Masquerade Shadows of New York. It was developed and published by Draw Distance, who also worked on and published Serial uh, Cleaner Ritual uh, Crown of Horns, and, uh, also the first game in the series, uh, Vampire the Masquerade Cotteries of New York, which we also covered, uh, in the bundle a couple months ago. So, I mean, it plays almost identically to the, that game as well. It's a visual novel. Uh, it's just a little shorter and more mystery focused with a new protagonist from a different clan, and it takes place a couple months after the previous game. Uh... It's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure novel with some minor role-playing elements. Uh, the first game had a hunger mechanic that is less of a uh, a, a deal here where you would have to uh, worry about um, at some point feeding in order to survive unless the beast would, inside would take over. The game didn't really feel long enough for me to have to worry about that in this particular instance. Uh... And I should mention, by the way, this is based off of the tabletop role-playing universe of Vampire: The Masquerade, which is part of the larger World of Darkness universe. It's got like a lot of different—I don't know if you knew, knew about it—like werewolf and like different styles. I didn't of, realize
0: uh, there was a larger RPG that it was contained in. I thought Vampires was just the RPG.
1: Yeah, there's there's actually even like a, a larger universe with more RPG styles that I found out Ooh. about. So that's that's pretty wild. You can look that up. Uh, But, yeah, this takes a lot from specifically New York by Night and modernizes it, uh, taking it and sort of applying uh, a lot of the m- things that we now know in, in, our, in our modern day in 2020 and, and applying it to the idea of, like, well, what if vampires were here also? Uh, And they, they were also involved in the sort of power dynamics that are at play right now in 2020. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hi there. Editor David here. Just to let you know, I haven't learned from my mistakes. For the duration of this review, any time that I say the word Coterie, I meant Coterie. I'd say I'm sorry, but I'm not. In Coteries, you play as, like, one of three authored protagonists with their own distinct personalities, and in this game, you play as just the one protagonist. Um, there are nighttime events that uh, are more diverse than the general, like, gameplay that you'd normally have to run through because you can only go and pick one or two of those before the night is over and then the others are inaccessible until the second playthrough so um those make su- subsequent playthroughs uh more refreshing but in this game i only ever had to do a set one second playthrough in order to get uh 100 percent achievements on this game uh, and i did that in around nine hours which is almost about the same amount of time that i put into cotteries. And I got maybe a third of the way through Cauteries because it's such a larger game by comparison. It's got like twice as many achievements as well. Um, Yeah. So this, in this, in this game, I had some of the pluses. Uh, I'd say that I really enjoyed the, the, the colorful moving painting aesthetic of the visuals. I'd say that shadows even improves upon the previous game visually with uh, more varied uh sprites for the characters and expressions and uh the visual spreads are like super beautiful in some scenes i just wish that i could get rid of the dialogue box in some instances so that i can see them better um dictionary entries in this uh game have way more character than they did in the first game because they're written from the character uh the protagonist julia's perspective and she's like kind of a downer and she's got like a for for good reason and she's got like this really sarcastic, hilarious view on life that I really enjoy uh, whenever she talks about something, her spin on, on it. And from her perspective, what, what she thinks of all of these different things. And you can learn from the, the Vampire the Masquerade universe from her perspective. Um, I'd say that if, if Cauteries was the, used to talk about like the problems of 2019 for using vampires, uh, then Shadows is more of a, a reflection of the problems of 2020. Uh, the pandemic sort of looms in the background of this game and there are some scenes where uh you're sort of wandering around and it's like, oh man, I didn't realize that a pandemic could hit, you know, in New York and like you know, scene, scenes like that where you run into people, uh like a, a, a reporter who who asks you about like uh you know I forget exactly what she, she wanted, but it it was like the you know, like the, the reporter of like, Hey, what do you think of this whole mask situation type of deal? It, sort of making that aspect of our reality and sort of putting it in, into a, a, a novel, a story, I, I thought was really, really cool. I appreciated that. But yeah, uh, to kind of go to um, my conclusion for this game, I think that it is a pretty good entry into the series but lacks a lot of formal introductions for some of the characters, assuming that you met them in Cauterys. It's not a bad introduction to the series. Uh, it makes sense why they included this uh, this month alone. Because it plays fine on its own. Uh mm-hmm. but I feel like it's much better with the context of having known these characters from uh, the previous game. Um and it does make me want to go back to play the original, to find out what happened in the end. Especially since the original protagonist from the first game and their sire, the person who like you're just taking care of you the entire game, just doesn't exist in this game. Like Damn. they they were removed from the society for some reason and they're gone, and you don't know why in this game. So I feel like the there must have been some cliffhanger ending that like let you know in the first game, and I just I, I want to know, uh. So I, I might end up going back for that. But overall, I yeah. yeah, I I don't know about you, but like I related a lot to Julia's struggle of wanting to oppose powerful capitalists. Um and but
0: fuck the powerful capitalists.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, she's constantly thwarted at like all all points by like powers above her control. Like the very beginning of the mm-hmm. game, she's she's fired uh, off of her investigative reporting job. For, like, basically finding out too much about her corporate overlords. The fact that they're, like, uh, breaching, you know, terms of service. They're sexually harassing people. They are, uh, you know, breaking the law. All of these different things. And it's like, sorry, but you just, you you, you reached too close to the sun. You, you found too, Yo. you got too close to the truth. And so you got, got kicked out and sent to this underworld. And there's all kinds of talk about, like, you know, modern conspiracy shit and, like, on and stuff like that comes in and and it's just there it's so funny to see the 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 references to the real world and there was also a lot of very specific references to media a lot of which i didn't get but some of which weirdly i did get especially like the weird japanese movie references i was like oh yeah i watched house <laughs> that was a movie <laughs> hmm. But yeah, um, it's not like much of a mystery that you get to actually solve yourself. It it just kind of plays out in front of you, but it's it's still a fun read. Not not much of a game really, but uh, I enjoyed it enough to get a hundred percent in it. So, hell yeah, yeah. Um, I uh just believe that um, it's 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 all about the the horror of of being. Uh, a vampire, and 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 being in a society where where you just get things things out of your control.
0: When that happens, I just sing.
1: You sing. You sing the, a song of sing horror. Songs
0: of horror. Oh! Ah! Oh! This is a game by Protocol Games. Uh, in this game, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> really. I like that. That's... I enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> how you started writing that. God, this game!
0: <laughs> but it might be one of the most frustrating games I've played in a long time. <laughs> this is, contrary to the kind of survival game that, that Ancestors is, this is a survival horror game, in which the, the whole goal is to survive, you know? You're playing as a character with external entities constantly showing up that you have to... Run from barricade doors from hide from as they pop up and and just all around survive, make sure your character doesn't die it is It is good, it is very good, it's forced perspective, like old school horror games, so you walk down a hallway and you have one camera looking at you, and it like you walk through another hallway and it cuts and it's looking at you from a different direction. Uh, a lot of horror games have moved away from that, but I think it did this game very good the 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 first and foremost thing that I want to say is. This game has a huge disconnect in, like, the narrative and the play of it versus what the player is experiencing. In that your character, your character in this game never expresses fear outside of audio. Like, you walk. And that is all you can do in this game is walk. <laughs> even when being attacked, even when being actively assaulted by bad guys, all your character does is slowly walk away imagine there's a goddamn ghost in the room and your character is just going on a nice little saunter like oh no the whole time the whole time your character's like i've got to escape i've got to get out of here i'm gonna die while just casually walking away
1: just like screaming stone-faced and like slow walking towards the door that is a safety (laughs)
0: yeah it's bad it's bad there's there's such a disconnect of like what you're experiencing as a player and the fear your character is experiencing and the actual mechanics of the game that they allow you to play with it it just like you get i got so frustrated that i just wanted like i want to run away this is scary as fuck but i can't i can't run away i just have to casually walk away
1: Johnny, that's the whole point of the game. It's to make you feel the night terrors of wanting to move. The and real not being fear able to.
0: is that you don't have control. How did they know? How did they know that was my biggest fear—is a lack of control?
1: <laughs> you don't have control in your own life.
0: So that—that that is like that is one of the most jarring issues about this game. And that there are there are a lot of moments where the game just tries to you know gotcha. It it has like. I was really frustrated because they established clear rules about the universe. Like one of the mechanics is you can listen to doors. If you hear a sound on the other side of the door, the door is, is not safe to walk through and you have to wait a little bit or figure out something that triggers in the environment or the story or progress further to let the door be opened. But in chapter two, you encounter a door that makes no noise. And if you walk through it, you die.
1: And, and that, that, and when you showed it to yeah. us, It didn't happen.
0: Yeah, I had had listened to this door. I I lost the chapter because I tried to go through it two different times, double-checking that, like, I wasn't crazy and there was no noise behind this door, but it was killing me. And so when I replayed the chapter, I was like, fuck it, not going through that door. Played further into the chapter and apparently got to the point where the door is unlocked and tried to show everyone how frustrating it was that this door killed you with no noise behind it and it just opened because I had gotten far enough for it to just open at this point. So frustrating, so frustrating. <laughs> and then there was like a, a moment in it's chapter two. It was just chapter two was was just full of these moments where uh, in, in chapter one, if you had died as a character, the character came back as a ghost in the building later. And he offered you uh, a notebook to progress in your investigation. In chapter two, you die as a character and their ghost comes back later on. But if you interact with this ghost, it immediately murders you. So it just like it's another moment of the game teaches you something. It says that like interacting with your fallen companions get like helps you in some way. But in the in chapter 2 it just suddenly doesn't anymore and you just die for trying to do the same thing you did in chapter 1.
1: Don't you understand, Johnny? That's all part of the horror. It's all the horror. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is you can't trust anything not even the gameplay not even the game is truthful with you even the rules of our universe are lies <laughs> so there were just a lot of really frustrating moments like that in this in this game and the artificial longevity this game is full of artificial longevity it is it is your character can only walk a certain pace there's no sprint option there's there's nothing you you walk like a fucking centimeter an hour so much to the point that even if you know the chapters and know everything you have to do, it still takes about an hour and 20 minutes to complete them just because of the pace that your character walks at and the amount of backtracking the game makes you do. Fuck. Uh, I don't like that. So, it, yeah, it, it's full of moments like, oh, you interact with one thing? Well, now you have to go through every room of the house again to find the next thing you have to interact with because we didn't give you any sort of clues that there'd be something there later. It just sort of popped up. So, yeah, a lot of artificial longevity that just makes the game feel rough to grind through. If you die at the end of the chapter, it just, it it sucks it out of you. You don't want to go back and play for an hour and a half through everything that you've already done and already know how to do. You're just stuck walking at a mile an hour, so you have to grudge through all this to get there. Good game, though. The storyline's all about, the storyline is great, it's all about this magic music box that makes the, the person who listens to the melody go insane, it's kind of a, not an overused trope, but a, a very familiar horror trope, and and the, the antagonists are really good, the, the monsters, they don't explain much about them, they're just like, crawling hands that come after you, and like, weird creepy dude that stands in the, in the darkness and only follows you by, based on sound and stuff. Uh, there, there's a lot of really good moments with the the entities that are after you there's a lot of really good scares the scares in this game are phenomenal it doesn't rely purely on jump scares there are just some unsettling moments that occur especially when you get to chapter three like the further you progress in the game the more just unsettling and weird the scares and horror gets which is great it feels like the the gameplay is progressing with your character's insanity which is phenomenal I love that very much and so Chapter 3 is just full of all these really weird and subtle moments of, like, oh, a bad guy just kind of popped up in the background while you were doing something innocuous and then disappeared. And, like, that's it. That's it. Like, it wasn't a jump scare. It was just this moment of there's this creepy thing and it's gone. And if you blink, you missed it. Super cool. The 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 scares get really good in this game. And the death is, is really unique. You play as, uh, like, six different characters, sometimes three, sometimes four, sometimes it varies depending on the chapter but every time you die you possess another character and and go through the area so you can find the dropped items of the character you died as and then you just pick up from where you left off and continue to solve the mystery which i think is a really unique mechanic it's not save file based so th- there's some agency in like how many times you can actually die in a chapter and and there's there's this like play of like different characters interact with the environment differently because they have different attachments to the area uh, like in chapter two, for instance, one of the characters you can play as is the daughter of the guy you're looking for. And so she's walking around the area like, oh, why did dad leave this shit out? Like, that that's weird. D- dad doesn't normally leave the lights on when he leaves. Where is he and why are the lights on? You know, things like that. Versus the the police officer you can play as walks through the environment like, hello, I'm a cop. I don't have a warrant, but weird shit's happening. So I'm going to come in anyways, you know. uh, So it's it's good. The, the storyline is unique the The death and the gameplay is very unique. The puzzles were a ton of fun i I felt like a smart boy solving all of them. They weren't inherently difficult. Most of them were like, you know
1: <laughs> David's got this grin. I'm just thinking about the photo one that you are like, "What the fuck is this shit? This is bullshit i don't <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm flicking around the photos i don't get it I'm, i don't get it but put it backwards put it forward nothing works." <laughs>
0: That one was a little frustrating because most of the puzzles give you the context to solve them within, like, clues and stuff. Uh, but that one was just very much like, you got a bunch of slides and rearrange them till you figure it out. <laughs> so, <laughs> it felt more like guess and checking. There was a logic to it that was kind of easy to follow once you figured it out. But usually most of the puzzles had some sort of clue to deduce the logic to begin with and not just stumble around and figure it out. Uh, yeah, it was it was cool. Uh, uh I, I don't know what the game was trying to say in the story Something about property rights I guess And like <laughs> don't steal people's shit or Otherwise you're going to be cursed to an eternity of hell Cause it was The whole game is about returning the music box To it's original owner And so like there's there's this weird like Okay so like just like Don't, don't take people's stuff and you won't have weird music goblins Attacking you <laughs> Easy. I don't know uh, it, it's a horror game. Spooky shit happens, and there's obvious there's some weird solution to resolve it. Uh, all in all, it's a really good game. I I enjoyed it a lot. There's a lot of very interesting and smart influence from other horror games. All of the achievements are like named after horror games or or movies or tropes, which is really fun. Like you, the first time you encounter an enemy that the you you have to be quiet for, you get like a cheap an achievement called a Quiet Place. You know. Uh, it, it's all it's all nods through achievements and stuff to old horror games, and it feels like you're playing an old school horror game. It feels very influenced by games like Clock Tower and and Eternal Darkness and those old school survival horror games. I I enjoyed it a lot. The environment is are great. There's lots of spooky moments. It's all in all really good, even with all of my complaints about the gameplay. All right. Uh, it, it's. It's a whole... It's a whole menorah of spooks. Is menorah a word? Did that that work in that
1: context? Menorah... Let let me... A menorah is like... That's like a Jewish thing.
0: Is it? (laughs) Uh, uh...
1: Yeah, a menorah is the. It uh, is described in the in the Bible as the seventh lamp, uh, the ancient Hebrew lampstand made of pure gold, used in the portable set. Sa- it's the one that you with like that you light up on on Hanukkah. Uh, the- That's
0: exactly what it is. It's it's eight eight days of spooks. This eight, is eight days of, sp- of, of horror.
1: Man, it's so funny that you're trying to make this connection so hard because this is a game that is heavily based on Catholic imagery, <laughs> like explicitly Catholic <laughs> imagery. And you're just trying See it's a so... perfect segue. It's a perfect segue. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Menoria, folks. Menoria, developed by Bomb Service, uh, also known as R Dine. Uh, they have previously developed the Momodora series. Uh, Momodora one through three are available on ItchIo at a pay what you want price. Uh, three and Momodora Reverie in the Moonlight are available on steam uh, as well as uh, reverie also being available on switch xbox one and ps4 uh, and also having these games in your steam library before you start playing actually unlocks uh, some unique weapons that you can use along the game from the protagonists of those games oh. yeah um it's really cool they, they have the same like damage value as other weapons but they just have different effects like the little gust of wind like an extra little damage boost it's nice it's nice It's a nice little bonus for people that are uh, fans of the franchise. But yeah, this is published by uh, Dangan Entertainment. Uh, They're a newer publisher known for uh, games like Bug Fables, which is uh, a Paper Mario-style game all about bugs. Disc Creatures, which is, uh, it seems like, uh, very much inspired by, like, Pokemon Red and Blue. And uh, Pocket Rumble, a game that I played a little bit on the Switch that was like a little handheld fighting game. And uh, yeah, so this is a two uh, D Metroidvania platformer with an emphasis on a uh, dodge and parry combat. It has these beautiful high def, uh, go- Catholic, uh, Gothic uh, aesthetic going on. It's the the draping of the game. I feel like is a is a major selling point, just because it looks so darn pretty. And uh, did I mention that this game is filled with horny anime designs? Because oh, you didn't. It is. It's got it's got some, not overwhelmingly so. But it does like you know it allows one of its bosses to be a slug. I was like, "Oh wow, this one doesn't have giant boobs. That's cool, but uh yeah, it's not afraid to give characters massive boobs just for the sake of it. uh, it just kind of does. It's short, it's only around four to ten hours uh uh it, a little bit more than that if you wanted to one hundred percent it uh the combat is satisfying, it's a little bit button mashy on some of the smaller enemies, I think. Uh, the parry can also be mashed, like, over and over again as, like, an ultimate defense against certain attacks. You just won't take damage if you keep mashing the parry button. It's sort of like Sekiro a little bit <laughs> in, like, the consecutive parries. Um, and Incense, uh, is sort of, like, your magical ability. It's used to give bonuses to your character, like, passives, and also as a way to just use, like, magical attacks and stuff and heal. Um... So there is some, like, BS in this game. Uh, for example, some bosses have, like, these impossible-to-read attacks that... Uh, or just very difficult-to-read attacks that really pissed me off. The biggest offender to me was, like, this red devil woman who you fight in the royal king's quarters who attacks uh when you're away from her by leaping out of frame and then after a set amount of time jumping down from the ground to squash you and the amount of time that it takes for her entering the screen to you taking damage is like less than a second and i never have enough time to dodge or react to do anything and i the only way that i beat that boss was just by literally never leaving its shins and constantly poking it in the legs and getting perfect dodge rolls and that way it never had the chance to jump up and do the leap attack. It was just mm-hmm. such a BS attack that I had no countermeasure for, besides just learning the timing of it. Um, which that, that, those kind of design decisions don't really, uh, I don't i don't appreciate them all that much. And there aren't too many of them, but, you know, it's just worthy of mentioning that some, they are there in some cases. Um, there, are, there are lots of little quality of life issues. Like, the map screen takes way too many clicks to access. Like, in Hollow Knight, the map is almost always visible. Even during, like, gameplay, you can just pop it up. But in Minoria, you have to go to your menu, go to your archives, and scroll down to the map, and then click it, and then na- then you know where you're going. It's just, it's tedious. It's too many clicks. Um. Also, the story is told through these collectible archives that you find, and also through, like, cutscenes, rather than gameplay a lot of the time, with some minor exceptions. Which I I wasn't all all about I I I didn't re- I felt like I was missing like a good seventy five percent of the story just because I didn't read the collectibles. Um, sometimes I didn't know where to go, and it takes a while to dodge roll throughout the world to find the one correct path forward, which is kind of an issue with a lot of Metroidvania games that are like this. I feel like, um, you can only equip three incense at a time. And you can't auto-switch to your healing incense when you, uh, which you almost always want out. So, like, in Dark Souls, if you hold up, uh, then you will automatically switch to the first item on your inventory bar, which will almost always be your healing item, and that doesn't exist in this game, so you're always having to fumble around with your incense in order to get the right one out. And also, it doesn't help that when you switch an incense in the menu, it doesn't auto-switch to that incense when you get out of the menu, so you have to, like... Uh, choose an incense, then switch the incense in the middle of battle while, like, fumbling around and dodging and stuff. It Mm -hmm. makes it almost not even worth using the incense. Especially because offensive incense runs out super quickly, and it does very little damage. And they require you to constantly switch out. Like, because you'll get, like, you know, 15 different incenses, offensive incenses, throughout the game. And you can only use three at a time. But if you pause, you have infinite amount of time to switch out and then put new ones in. So it just, it was a lot of, like, using all of the different uses of it, and then pausing, and then switching them out, and then unpausing, and then using all the uses of it, and then pausing, and switching out. And then, like, it, it was just tedious. Um, I It just, if it wasn't for the fact that, like, they are your only range damage, it would, they would be kind of negligible as a mechanic. It, it almost mm-hmm. is more reliable just to go for, like, melee damage and dodging than it is to try to worry about them, even. Which isn't great um but yeah that that's my actually you know one last nitpick one last nitpick is the save system which if you don't save after like a boss fight for example then you repeat the boss fight because it's a manual save system that every time that you uh like save there the enemies don't refresh like in dark souls like how i think you know because like it rewards continuing on play. If you just leave an area and then come back, all of the enemies just respawn. And so it makes traveling around incredibly tedious, just especially because I'm used to games like Hollow Knight where the enemies stay dead when I kill them until I like rest at a bonfire or something. I don't know. Anyway. uh, Anyway, I don't know. I've complained a lot about it, but it's not a bad game. I think it's still fun. It's mostly held up by its presentation value, I think. The combat and exploration is serviceable, and it's very fun for fans of the genre, but it doesn't really expand the formula in any breathtaking new ways that I, I feel like people are going to to look back at this game and think, like, I'm so cool. It's, like, that game did this really cool thing. Uh, the really cool thing that it did was just having pretty good designs, I think. And uh, I want to play Momodora because I hear that it's actually even better in terms of a lot of the little design nitpicks that I've had. Uh, okay. But yeah, that that's about it.
0: So if they just like took those levels out, it'd be much better.
1: Yeah, if they de-leveled it?
0: Yeah, if they de-leveled the game by toaster fuel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're on uh, top <laughs> of it today!
0: <laughs> this is a another public developer that has only done one game. This is their only game so far. And this is a 2D physics puzzle game. Exactly in the vein of Ibn Abh which if you've played it's you play as like short square and big square it's a co-op game you run one square around the other square can like jump down and make the square bounce downwards uh yeah it's it's a it's a physics based gravity puzzle game and so you have the game e- each level you have two little squares and the squares usually start straight in line with each other if you move right on one square the square at the top moves right and the square at the bottom moves right if at any point the squares collide uh their momentum is transferred to the other square. And so like if one square is on the ground and the other square jumps off from a ledge and hits that square, the, the square up top will stop moving, the square on the bottom will then bounce. And then if it comes back up it'll bounce the top one and you'll just bounce back and forth like that.
1: Doing, badoing badoing
0: badoing. Badoing badoing. It's a it's a trampoline game. It's all about trampolines. Uh and it's it's solid. It's this ready for the quickest bundle bourgeoisie review on something ever. Cat <laughs> me with it. It's a puzzle game, and so, like, the whole objective is to move the squares around and figure out how to get them to turn the switches on. It's a lot of fun. It plays with gravity and momentum in a really cool way. There's secret levels you can unlock by hitting specific switches in specific orders, uh, there's great variance in difficulty. The progression isn't locked behind completing the overtly complex levels. If you complete all the easy levels in an area, you'll still be able to progress to the next one and skip, like, the, the hard, super challenging level of the area. It's it's great. It's fun. You you bounce things around. There's some really great, like, reflex tests and, and moments of skill and dexterity and problem-solving. It's really chill if you like these kinds of games.
1: Hell yeah. That's it. That's the month. That's, that's our whole month. That's
0: it. <laughs> Half the month. Half, Half the, the month.
1: month. Half the month. A- addendum. Asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's so far our game of the month?
0: Uh, Mine so far is Ancestors of the Humankind Odyssey. It's, it's very good. Yeah. Monkey.
1: Just being a monkey, and you you enjoy the process of evolution. You're a fan of Spore as well, aren't you?
0: Uh, yeah, most of Spore,
1: most of Spore. So, so this <laughs> this captures the better half of Spore.
0: Yeah. To to quote uh Kunai the Jolt, uh, monkey,
1: monkey, 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 monkey. That's all you gotta say
0: about this game.
1: Hey, and my game of the month is PC Building Simulator, because it gave me a whole pastime, a whole love of computer building that I may not have been able to forge otherwise, because Lord knows I don't have enough money to do the kind of crap that I would be able to do in this game and mess around with and test out, so it's a great entry-level software for somebody uh, wanting to get into this kind of thing, and it's just a fun game as well.
0: Hell yeah. Uh, we've been playing a lot between last recording and this one. Just because yeah. of the holidays and playing with people and stuff. We did some Dead by Daylight.
1: We did some Project Winter.
0: Friday the 13th.
1: We played some Black Wake. Really fun. Yeah.
0: Uh, Lord of the Rings card game, which was phenomenal. Yeah.
1: In the same stream, we also played a little bit of uh, Small World, the virtual version.
0: Uh, we did some Grim Dawn together.
1: Yes, yes. We also did a little bit of Stardew Valley and Half-Dead 2 as well.
0: And I have been playing so much of the Shrimp Warrior unreleased alpha at the moment.
1: (laughs) Oh, dude, I'm so pumped for that. I can't wait. (laughs) In, in my own time on my stream, I've been playing a little bit of Sekiro and Fallout New Vegas. I've really, I, I've always loved Fallout New Vegas. It's nice returning to that game. And Sekiro, I bought that during the Steam sale recently, and oh my god, I love that game so much. It's so fucking good. It makes me it makes me angry sometimes, but, but that just makes the sweet relief of victory so much better.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the charity this month is the Montreal Children's Hospital Foundation. And their mission is to inspire and mobilize the community to support relentless innovation and research, teaching, and care at Montreal Children's Hospital, an internationally renowned pediatric center affiliated with the McGill University Healthcare Center by providing highly specialized health care.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: So yeah, if you buy, if you buy the bundle and the games this month, you're helping fund pediatric research at the Montreal Children's Hospital.
1: That's pretty dang cool, actually.
0: Help the kids by playing games.
1: By playing the video games. That's what I like.
0: Wow, well, 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 it's very nice. <laughs>
1: okay, so what is the most interesting or unique game mechanic that we've seen in a game, a video game? This was our, our listener question that we asked our community last month, and we, we got a couple of answers back. I think we got more but we just don't remember where most of them were. We found some yeah. in the show discussion, and we're going to give them to you today.
0: So if you want your answers read, make sure you post them in the show discussion, because David and I are forgetful, and we'll forget what you have told us. Oh,
1: so bad. So, so bad.
0: Uh, so from Conway43512, we have The Legend of Zelda The Original for its ability to save games on consoles. Hmm. Yeah. That's
1: a, that's a pretty big improvement, especially because they had to put a fucking battery in that thing in order to make it work.
0: Yeah, it's really... It, it is a good mechanic. Like, yeah. saving games is one that, like, we we forget that is a mechanic that was added in games at some point.
1: Yeah, that's true. Thank God.
0: Uh, or Max Payne's bullet time mechanic, it's which is other answer. That it's is so, a good one. Oh, uh, I, still, I still have vivid memories of the Max Payne crib scene. <laughs> <laughs> that shit will haunt me for the rest of my life, just hearing that baby cry as you follow the trail of blood over imaginary platforms. Oh, so well done.
1: <laughs> All right, Child of Light uh, and its active time bar for turn-based combat was another response that we got from Natty.
0: And Elkerlike says, superliminal. For their use of perspective while manipulating objects, which I've never played Superliminal, so I'm not sure what this is referring to. Oh, uh it sounds interesting.
1: I have actually seen gameplay of this. It's basically the idea is is that uh, perspective is truth, and whatever your perspective of an object is, is how large it is. Oh. So if it is far away, then it is small, and if it is close to you, then it is large.
0: That is cool as hell. Yeah. Uh, and then his other response is the P.T. hallways for enacting a, a living nightmare that he had had for years and then saw it realized in a video game.
1: <laughs> Yo, P.T. is really good. P.T. is so PT, good. P.T.,
0: oh, miss it, miss it, miss it, miss it. Rip. What's our question for this month? Did we have one? We haven't come up with one yet. We left the cent- the section unintentionally blank.
1: Hmm. Uh. Just, uh... I don't know, man. I I was going to say something boring, like, favorite fantasy franchise, but... uh... Uh,
0: I got one, then. I got one. Uh, What is the most interesting historical fact you've learned from a video game?
1: Oh, that is a good one. A historical fact from a video game. We'll dwell on that for a little bit. Yeah,
0: we'll answer it next week.
1: Yeah. Make sure to post it on the Twitter, too, so you can respond to it there.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's and, pretty much the end of it. Yeah.
1: Isn't it? I think so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh we have we have Twitter. We have Discord. We have Steam Group.
1: At please, bundle, please,
0: please follow and join and, and and hang out with us. We we <sighs> We don't pay for advertising. This is the obligatory part of the podcast where we ask you to show your friends, please, because we are
1: broke and we don't pay so for broke. advertising, and we, we don't... need to raise awareness. We don't have money. We don't have people to do this. We, we are the people that do that do the thing. We we do all of the sh- things. Sh- it's all of us. Show fun. your friends, please. Show show your neighbors, please. Whatever you sh- do, just give it. Give it. Just. I don't care if you have to give it to the, give it to them in a the USB. Just please, please just, just give it to us. Just, just help us, please, please. Just we we want to
0: do more of this, but to. it takes a lot of time and it's very expensive. But please tell people about us.
1: Subscribe to my coffee.
0: <laughs> did you say subs- what was that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I said subscribe to my coffee. Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that isn't that isn't what I heard at all. Oh my god. What did you hear? Uh, because you were mumbling it, it sounded like you said subscribe to mine comp.
1: <laughs> okay, we're ending and I it. Was like, we're I'm ending it. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna cut Fred. all of that that's getting
0: cutted but <laughs>
1: no that's gonna be in the after part no one ever listens to the after part yeah no one ever listens to that <laughs> <laughs> all but right. we do have
0: buy me a coffee
1: yeah do buy us a coffee
0: please